Oh, thank you. Wow. If Seth won't give it to you, I will. Okay, folks? You don't question who is a man of the people. It is me, okay? <laughs> My name is Mitchell Dome. Uh, I am one of the ministers here on staff. Uh, our main pastor, Seth Kane, he is not here this week. Uh, so I'm here filling in, continuing on our series, The Gospel According to Fred. Um, if you probably couldn't tell just by that, um, but this, all of this, me coming up and being willing to wear the sweater vest, which, Carnegie, right? Is it a Carnegie? So all I can think of is the movie Dumb and Dumber, when he's driving the car and he goes, pull over, it's a Carnegie, but thanks for noticing. I've said that a dozen times to people, no one's gotten it so far, it's okay, I mean... <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, yes, I'm here, but I, I never watched uh, Mr. Rogers or his beloved neighborhood. Never seen an episode before this. This is all, it's all a fraud. I'm sorry to let you guys know. I debated it. I thought, hey, I can come out. I can do the thing Seth's not willing to do, wear the vest, do the shoe toss, and you guys would never know. Or, or I thought to myself, I can own it. Because I know that what you guys are thinking is, man, you know, what, what's it worth if we just have a bunch of people come up here and talk about Mr. Rogers when they're all fans? Like, who's going to say anything? I'm not a fan, guys. I haven't seen an episode before this week. I haven't watched the documentary on Netflix, and I haven't seen the Tom Hanks movie. For all I knew before this week, Tom Hanks was Mr. Rogers. I had no idea, okay? So, and as a 26-year-old, no, jeez, 27-year-old man watching Mr. Rogers for the first time, it's a little weird, it is a little weird, I'll tell you that. Uh, most of my knowledge of Mr. Rogers came from the SNL skit, um, which if you've never seen, is nothing like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So watching it again, I'm like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, I understand why Eddie Murphy talks so slow. And then, of course, this number right here. So I keep like, I'm watched, so I had to watch... Not had to. I got to watch several hours of Mr. Rogers' show this past week. Um, so you come out of your office after like watching that for an hour, and it feels like you've been in a propaganda film, like you're brainwashed. So I'm going to the water cooler, and I'm like, Patty, do you want some water? Water. Here you go. Like, I'm speaking slow, I'm speaking calm, which, of course, if you are talking to kids, is meaningful. If you're talking to adults, it's just creepy. So I, I've been navigating those waters. That has been my, you know, my issue this past week. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, my father's here. We didn't watch educational TV when we grew up, right? Of course not. We watched sports. I, now, when I grew up, too, there was only one TV that, like, had, like, like TV service on it. So the rest was like DVDs and stuff. But that one TV, that was like dictated solely by my father. God bless him. He taught me a lot about myself in those moments. I learned it wasn't about me when it came to TV time. So I didn't get to choose very often like what was on the TV. So when it comes to kids nowadays, when they come into the room and like I have a couple of my friends have kids, they'll like toss them the remote and they're like, watch whatever you want, buddy. It's up to you. You want to watch your shows? And I'm like, well, we're adults. <laughs> we're going to watch kids TV with them? Like, this is just weird. So um, all that being said, 
didn't watch a lot of, that's a long, long walk for a short drink of water. I didn't watch Mr. Rogers growing up. That's all we really needed to know about that. <laughs> and I've been watching a ton of it recently. Um, so uh, what we're going to do today is I have three video clips about Mr. Rogers. Uh, well, I'm sorry, of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Uh, essentially what happens was, you know, we, we choose what series we're going to do. And then usually we look at the, the month and we kind of say, okay, Seth's going to be out this one. So Seth asked me to preach. Uh, so I got the topic, which if you didn't know, Mr. Rogers, the shows are like four or five episodes in a row will have the same theme. So um, we go thematically, okay, this is the themes that we're going to be preaching on. These are the shows you have to watch. So Seth said, hey, can you preach February 9th? Perfect. Uh, it's going to be about making mistakes. And I was like, Seth, a lot of low-hanging fruit there, my man. <laughs> you want me to talk about making mistakes, huh? I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha you on this one. Uh, so that's what, my, this is what this is all about. Essentially what I'm going to do is I'm showing two clips um, from the first episode of that block of four shows about making mistakes. And then I'm showing one at the very end, um, which was the very last show. Um, the clips, the first one's a little bit longer. So I'm just trying to prepare you guys right off the bat. So we're all on the same page. This is an experience we're all going to work through together. The first clip's about four minutes. Bear with me. The next two are only a minute though, okay? And each one of them I think is super, super meaningful uh, when talking about this, you know, kind of light childhood topic of everybody makes mistakes. That being said, let's turn our attentions. First clip. Let's see who that is. People about the mistake. Oh, Susan Lynn. Hi, Susan, Hi, come in. Get the door. Oops, almost. Hello, there we go. Here they are. <laughs> Good. Come on in. I was just on the way to, to the hospital to talk to some children who are sick or aren't feeling so well there. Oh, wouldn't you and, like to? See sure, that? thanks. And um, I thought you might like to see some of the things that we do. I would. You help children at the hospital? Sometimes it's easier to say things with a puppet than it is to say things just by yourself. And when children are in the hospital, they have really important feelings. And sometimes it's hard to say them, so I help them. And sometimes I say things, and sometimes we make up poems together. Mm -hmm. All like, those things, uh -huh. Audrey. I do, I do those things at the hospital. And, and sometimes I talk about things I'm worried about. Well, like what kinds of things? Susan, sometimes... I think that when I'm in the hospital, it's because I'm bad. Oh, Audrey. That's something lots of children worry about, isn't it? But you know what? Going to the hospital doesn't have anything to do with being bad. Does it have to do with being good? No. Going to the hospital doesn't have anything to do with being bad or being good. It has to do with being sick. You go to the hospital if you're sick, or the doctors think you might be sick and you need special care in order to get well. And it's not because of anything I did wrong or anything. Mm -mm. You know what? Sometimes when we talk about you being in the hospital, Catalyne has some feelings about that too. Is he going to come and talk to him? Would you like to see Catalyne? I'll help you put him on. Oh, and so will Fred. Thank you. Fred. Here we go. Hi, Catalyne. Oh, hi, Mr. Rogers. Catalyne, we're talking about the feelings that children have sometimes when they go into the hospital. Well, 
sometimes their brothers and sisters have feelings too about when, when, uh, when their brother or sister goes into the hospital. Like what kinds of feelings? Well, like I worry that maybe Audrey's in the hospital because it's my fault. <gasps> Is it Catalyne's fault? No, of course not. It's not Catalyne's fault. Why do you say that? Because when Audrey, right before she went into the hospital, I took one of her toys and she got mad at me and I got mad at her back and I wished that something bad would happen to her. Oh, Catalyne. That wishing wouldn't have made Audrey go to the hospital. Wishing doesn't make things come true? Mm-mm. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. And that's the kind of things that sometimes we talk about with children in the hospital. Uh-huh. And sometimes we sing songs. Mm-hmm. Together. Uh-huh. And, and we draw pictures and we write poems and we do all sorts of things. I bet you're a real help to the children in the hospital. Well, I hope so. I try to be. And speaking of helping children in the hospital, it's time for us to go now. Okay, bye-bye, Mr. Rogers. Bye, Audrey. Bye-bye. Okay, so let's just take a second, and let's just think about the gravity of what's happening here. The episode starts. Mr. Rogers comes out, does his little bit, does the shoe, does the thing, all that. Then he opens up a book. Okay, the book has a mistake on it. This might be a minute-long clip. As you heard, like when it first started, he said, I already told them about the mistake. That's from the first little clip there. And what essentially happened was he opened up a book. It had a picture of an elephant and it said a cat below it, something like that. And he goes, he closes the book and he goes, well, it's okay to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. That is opening up this whole theme of everyone makes mistakes. Now, like we said, a minute in goes directly into that bit. All of the things that Mr. Rogers is doing to my knowledge here, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct here, he did these kids' TV shows and he did these kids' episodes because kids, um, kids' children education. He thought there was ways to like better educate children via TV and, and having it to be these television programs help educate them. So anything from that, we know anything he's doing in these episodes, he's doing to help educate kids because kids weren't learning this somewhere. Now let's think about the thing that they're having to learn about here. They're having to learn that when they themselves are in the hospital or their loved ones, mom, dad, brother, sister, whomever, isn't there in the hospital sick because they did something wrong. Which means there were kids in the 80s that were living their lives in the hospital or with friends, family, whoever in the hospital carrying around the guilt of thinking they did something wrong and that is why that person's in the hospital. Could you imagine being a child and thinking that? How that would just start to set in on the psyche every single day living with the guilt of feeling like you did something wrong and that's why this person's here. We are four minutes into this episode, friends. This just started and that's the thing we're diving into. And I think if Seth was here, he'd put it this way. What I find fascinating, he says fascinating a lot. I don't know if you ever noticed that. What I find super fascinating about all of this is when we're opening up a theme, everyone makes mistakes. Mr. Rogers' first five, 10, 20 minutes, first episode isn't hammering home that point. He's not sitting on the idea that everyone makes mistakes. Why? We know 
right? Like if I came up here on stage and I said, hey, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. See y'all next week. You'd be like, that was the worst. Or it could be the best, depending on how quick it went. But you would be like, yeah, obviously we all make mistakes. Now we are a room full of adults. When I talk to middle school, high school, even all the way down elementary, young kids, if I tell them we all make mistakes, that's not something that's like light bulb moment for them. They understand that concept. They understand what it means to make a mistake. They understand that they make mistakes every day and that everyone around them is making mistakes. Now, it's a good reminder. It's a good thing to kind of like loosen ourselves and be like, okay, well, everyone is out here making mistakes, but it's not something that we have to like drill home. We don't have to sit on that. So what does Mr. Rogers do? Opens it up. Then he moves to the next point, which is the guilt. That's the hard part about mistakes, right? You make a mistake, that guilt, depending on what you did or, or the gravity of it, it can sit for years, months, weeks, days. You can sit there in that same moment over and over again, layering the guilt upon yourself because at the end of the day, the easiest person to blame is us. It's easy to blame ourselves over and over and over again and trying to live or move on with that guilt is paralyzing. It's hard. That's why I think it's so interesting. First episode, right off the bat, we acknowledge the fact everyone makes mistakes and then we move on to, okay, what do we do next? How do we address that next step? Of course, mistakes and guilt are not exclusive to Mr. Rogers and his beloved neighborhood. There is everywhere. And it's something that guilt is talked about time and time again throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. Paul brings it up when he's writing to uh, early Christians in the, in the first churches. Uh, Jesus talks about it throughout his life. Uh, this is just, I just pulled some. I mean, we could sit here all day, um, but this is just some here. Um, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him might be saved. The world might be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Romans 8.1, Therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, whom do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a biblical example being set here. There's time and time again, the more we read, the more we see when it comes to sin, there's a progression after it. It's confession going out, unburdening our sins on to Jesus. If you sit in your sins, if you sit there in your mistakes and you allow those things to just sit on you over and over and over again, it pulls you away from the life God's calling you to live. Our reconciliation of that is Jesus. It's Christ dying for us. And we are then unable to take those, confess them to him. And then as we read 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Um, oh, sorry. I went, I went backwards on you. Um, but all things have become new for those who are in Christ. We don't have to stay in that, but we can move forward. He said, if we go back and we look at the progression, everyone makes mistakes. Look at Romans 3, 23. All have fallen short of the glory of 
of God. It's not exclusive. We are all making mistakes. It's a universal truth. So it's about what we are doing to go beyond and go beyond just those mistakes in, into our lives. Uh, in John 8, we see Jesus talking to the woman at the well. You know, the Pharisees find a woman caught in adultery, or they catch a woman in adultery. They bring her out to stone her. And um, this is what Jesus says to them. says to them, let him who is without sin be the first of you to throw a stone at her. Right? That's the big epiphany, the big moment. Oh, wait a second. We're all doing this. Oh, wait, wait a second. This isn't just them. It's just not the outside, but it's me too. I am an active part in all of this. So we're all making mistakes. We are all sinning. It's about what we do after it that is so important. If we continue on in that story in John 8, what happens next? Jesus looks up, or starts drawing in the sand, then he looks up and he says, hey, where did your condemners go? If they don't condemn you, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's that cleansing, that renewal, that call to say, hey, we can go forward. Paul, like I said, writes about it in 2 Corinthians 5. All things have been made new, but that doesn't change the fact that whenever we are in this position, we make mistakes, we fall short, we deal with that guilt, and then we move forward. Um, this is going to be the second clip. Uh, it's the same episode, uh, just a little bit further along. Uh, uh, Mr. Rogers, I almost called him Fred. I feel like I can call him Fred. We're pretty close. I mean, Freddie, Freddie boy, he brings in a chef, and, and they do the next little scene here. So uh, let's go ahead. Let's look at this next little clip. Is it okay if I go back? See, thank you. Hey, John. Hey, Fred, how are you? Okay, I really like your cocina. Well, uh, right now, I don't think he I'm... He shakes his head. Uh, What's wrong? Uh, I wanted to make some whipped cream to, to put on these fruit treats for the children. <laughs> some whipped cream? Yeah, and uh, see, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, the way to make it right is you need to have cream that's very, very cold mm -hmm. and a bowl that's perfectly clean and I don't think this cream was cold enough so it's, it's not hardening. It's the not, watery it's, cream it's not, drips it's, off the it's, chef's whisk. Boy, it looks like it's turning into butter. Right. So, uh, right? The whisk is like a wand with long wire loops. It's fun to do. Yeah. But, but I bet you're disappointed. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll be okay. I have the Green here, I'll start, I'll save this for some cookie batter, and uh, you go out and listen to the children. And I'll you don't want some. me to help you? No, I'll be, I'll be okay. It'll okay. work out. Okay? All right. Your eyes. Boy, that sounded good from in the kitchen, I'll tell you. They're shining their bright light, Chef Brockett. How's your whipped cream? Oh, it's just the way I wanted it. Oh, great. So you knew how to do it after all. Right. Chef Brockett had a disappointment. He was making whipped cream and it didn't whip right. And so then he tried again, and he made it just right this time. So if you can decipher through that, that narration voice, a whisk is, I thought that was funny. Uh, but then also, uh, Chef Brockett sounds like Coach O from LSU, for sure. 
I couldn't get over that. Like, I laughed like five minutes just trying to hear what he was saying. Um, but so essentially, we see the progression continue, all right? So we, we start at the beginning, this acknowledgement, hey, everyone makes mistakes. And then this next part, we kind of figure out dealing with guilt and how to get and push past that. And then we go to this next scene, um, which that was a, a couple little clips cut together. So essentially what happens is he's going to um, some kind of like public library or something like that. And there's kids, he's playing a guitar, but the chef wants to make a treat for the kids uh, as they're like singing along. So he goes into the cafe, the chef is struggling to whip cream. And then um, he says something like, hey, I'm going to keep trying. Uh, Fred leaves, goes in, sings some songs. And then the chef comes back in at the end there, like we saw with the whipped cream. So um, it's a pretty easy principle, a pretty easy little lesson that we're trying to learn here. I think I got the direct quote from Fred. He said it near the end there. Um, he said, uh, Chef Brockett had a disappointment. He tried to make whipped cream and didn't whip it right, but he kept trying, right? That's the, the next step. It's very practical. It's very easy in the progression that we make mistakes, problems happen, we fail to make the cream, we kind of deal with the guilt, the gravity of what's going on around us. And then that next logical step is we keep going, we keep trying. Now, Chef Brockett is motivated by this idea, like, hey, I'm making whipped cream for kids, right? Um, but in our lives, where we find that motivation to keep going and keep trying is key. Now, this all can kind of sound cliche, like, trust me, I didn't come up here thinking I was just going to talk about, like, everybody makes mistakes, keep going, amen, see you later. Like, it sounds extremely cliche, and I know it does. I know that for a fact, because last, well, yesterday, not that long ago, uh, I was with Seth up in the beautiful town of Palaka while he was running. I'm pacing for him, which means essentially he's been running for, you know, 30 some odd miles. So I just kind of come in and jog beside him and kind of keep pace with him. That whole time you're running with somebody who you can see physically has run 35 plus miles. They look tired. They look worn out. So I'm debating in my mind the whole time while I'm running behind, beside him, what do you say? <laughs> like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, hey dude, keep going. Keep trying. You're doing it. Great work. You know, like that whole time, it feels extremely cliche. Or if you've ever had a friend or a family member going through something and you're just kind of beside them with it and you're just at a loss for words and what do you say? Keep going. Keep, keep trying. I talked to a guy who was um, doing triathlons and he was like, hey man, it's easy. Just one foot in front of the other. You keep going. You keep moving, you keep trying, but that thing that is motivating you to keep going and keep trying, that's what is so important. Two little reminders for you. One of the largest bedrocks that you can just weigh onto and keep pushing on whenever things get hard, you can keep reminding yourself, um, is that if we have the belief that there is a God, a God who not only created me, but also you and everything that we see. And we believe that this God created all of this out of love and is orchestrating this for the good of us. All things are working together for our good. So if we can hold on to that belief, and that can be the thing we keep pointing to, even when things are hard, even when things don't make sense, even when they're not lining up for us, that belief of saying, oh, wait, I know I don't understand the picture now. 
I don't get it all at this moment, but I, I, I trust and I know that God loves me and we're moving things together for our good. The other very, very practical thing I'd love to keep reminding you on, we did a whole series called Vapor um, a little, like over a year ago. It was one of the most impactful things that I ever went through. Um, it was about Ecclesiastes and, and essentially it starts with that meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, which sounds terrible. Like why would that motivate me? But stick with me here. Uh, essentially the, the, the translation would be the word vapor. Life is vapor. It is here one minute and then it's gone. It's that temporal nature of life, being here then being gone, that's what adds the value to it. That's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes it so great because it's this gift that is here one moment and then gone the next. I was listening to a radio show this week and they were talking about, they did a very poor subject about like very basic, like, oh, hey, what's your three wishes? If you could have any three wishes. Uh, and one of the guys said he wished he could live forever at the age of 35. And I was like, I guess that sounds cool in theory, but also like when you're on, on 35 for the 50th time, what's the meaning, right? I mean, if, if you know you're going to stay at this point forever, there's no meaning to it. The beauty in life is that it's a gift, but it's not a gift that's here forever. Each and every moment is packed with this importance and this beauty because it's not here forever, the motivation to keep going when things are going wrong, the motivation that tells you to keep getting up and keep trying even when everything is working against you is the idea that, hey, look, it's not gonna be here forever. This moment in time, us being in this room, it's not here forever. Whatever phase of life you're in, it's not here forever. It's a gift. The sun rose this morning. We woke up and we're here. There's beauty in that. But I feel like through life, we can become so like oversaturated with how good we have it, we kind of forget how good we have it. Um, not to pick on anybody, but I was at my nephew's birthday this week and we got him a gift. We got him this big gift, this big box. So there's a big pile of toys, like or big, well, not toys, gifts, wrapped gifts behind him, one big gift. So he, he chooses to open ours like first, right? Because it's the biggest, it's cool. He opens it looks at it. He's like, this is great. And then just keeps going. And like, I couldn't help but think like, man, if I had given him that like yesterday or like one week later, he would be like, this is the best thing ever. And he would play with it right there in that moment and it would be great. But because they're so oversaturated, because there's all these gifts behind them, it's not about the gift that they have in front of them. It's about what's next, right? Because there's more gifts coming. Sometimes in my life, I feel like I'm constantly going what's next? What's next? What's next? Oh, it's cool. Yeah. You know, me and my wife, we bought a house. What's next? Oh, we, we got a car. What's next? We got a dog. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And we can lose all of the beauty in life. And then once we start to lose that, when tough times come, we forget just how good we got it. Now, let's go back Keep me on track here. Sir Rogers opens. Everyone makes mistakes. Got it. There's this guilt that comes with making mistakes, which if we don't deal with that first, we're not getting to the next step. If we don't find a way to release ourselves, forgive ourselves from it. There was one little bit that I glanced over um, 
which totally my fault. Um, it's a, a quote from um, the lady who had the puppets. I think I have it. Yes, yeah, Susan Lynn, of course. How could I forget Susan Lynn? Uh, this is what she says at the end. Um, Sometimes bad things happen and it's not because we did anything wrong. There are some times in life, as we all know, things will happen that are beyond our control, but yet we'll still blame ourselves for them. Things that will be wrong, things that will die, or people will die, things will happen, and we're like, if I could have just done this, maybe if I could have done this, I could have done this. We will put ourselves in a little prison of guilt for things that we had no control over to begin with. Um, so we have that side of making mistakes, dealing with the guilt, releasing yourself from it. And then when we get to this next phase, it's keep going. Keep trying. Remember that there's a God who loves you that's setting all of this into creation and that each and every single day that we have here is this beautiful gift. That's the motivation to keep going even when you're faced with failure after failure after failure. Uh, I got one last clip for us. This one comes from, so it's season four. That's where all these were. It's episode 15 through 11, or no, 11 through 15. So this is the very end clip of season four, episode 15. To think about the people who love you and take care of you, even though you do make mistakes once in a while, even though they do too. Now Mr. Rogers sits on the bench by the front door. He looks at us with a twinkle in his eyes. <laughs> It's such a good feeling to know that people can love us even when we're not perfect. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. He snaps his fingers. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the week is new. At the closet, and I'll Mr. have hangs more up ideas for phone. you. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. You always make each day a special day by just your being yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. I, I love that line, you always make each day a special day by just your being yourself. A little bit of a brutal line. I had to Google it several times, but that's what he says. You make every day special by just your being yourself. Um, I love that line, um, but that's not what I want to talk about. Uh, he said a little bit there, um, here's the exact quote I have for you. Um, he said, isn't it nice to know that people can love us even though we are not perfect. What's Mr. Rogers talking about? He's talking about unconditional love, a love that is beyond anything that we do or what we offer. That is all a part of the human experience, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had this thought or this, this feeling before that like, you know, I offer this to people. I offer this to my loved ones, my wife, my kids, whoever, and they love me because of it. And there's this big fear that can start to set in and worry that can start to set in if you feel like, if I didn't offer this, would they still love me? If I didn't give this to them, if I didn't give this to the world, would I still be loved? Especially in the day and age that we're in now, um, where just the slightest slip up, the littlest thing, and you can go from beloved to hated really, really quick. It can really, really start to make you worried and wonder and question what love is anyways. 
Just a couple last verses to end on. Romans 5.8, but God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the picture of unconditional love. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Romans 8.35, but what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? There is a love out there that is endless. It's relentless. It's not dependent on the things that we offer or the things that we do, guys. There is something beyond this, something beyond us, something beyond our mistakes. If you're here today and you don't know about that love, I encourage you to talk to someone about it. We're a family here uh, at the Foundry Church, uh, and there's a lot of people who would love to talk to you about that. And if that's too hard or if you don't know anyone, I mean, come talk to me, come talk to Hank. Um, we'll have people at the cross. We'll have people stationed around the church. There is a love out there that is bigger than your mistakes. It's bigger than your faults. It's bigger than anything that we'll face in this world.